What's up, everybody? Welcome to the View from Jamestown podcast edition. This is episode 86, and we are lucky to have Kathy Hall back on the podcast this morning for a uh, Q4 recap and Q1 2023 uh, overview episode. Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for coming on again. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you. Thanks so much for having me. And hopefully I will see you later this year in the studio. But for now, yeah, I'm coming to you live from New Jersey. Beautiful. Yeah, that'd be great. We'd love to have you. I think one of the prerequisites of you coming will bring one of those big ethylene maps. If you're if you're watching the video version here, you see a massive map of the ethylene market behind Kathy. It's uh, very, very appropriate. I'm a big fan. Well, it came in handy when uh, you know, we had our winter freeze with the winter storm, Elliot. We, uh, so by way of introduction, my name's Kathy Hall, and I am the... Um, uh, executive director for Petrochemicals for Petrochem Wire, which was a company I founded in 2007 and is now a part of Opus, which is one of the Dow Jones companies. So, uh, so at Petrochem Wire, we are, uh, we focus on the U.S. monomer markets of ethylene, propylene, benzene, styrene, and also the primary polymers. Uh, but, you know, again, they are the, the biggest end use of those markets. So the polyethylene, polypropylene, polystyrene, PVC. And in, um, in, in 2008, we introduced these maps because I remember there was a string of hurricanes and I was thinking, well, if this plant is shut down, what does that mean? And I thought, you know, who has a map? And I couldn't really find one. So I made one. So we have one for ethylene and for propylene. And uh, and I still use them. And with the winter storm, Elliot, that um, that gripped Texas uh, pretty much on Christmas, that was uh, it. It was an interesting event because a lot of refineries and chemical complexes were affected. But to kind of jump into it, then where we left off, you and I last time in September was looking at an environment where there wasn't a whole lot of um, bullishness on demand. And the end of the year is usually an inventory destocking, you know, behavioral cycle. So, um, you know, it it takes a lot of supply control to keep stability. So a winter storm that compromises a lot of production doesn't necessarily result in a price spike in that environment, especially at the, it, for this one, it was the last month of the year. So, um, you know, obviously plants were affected, but I don't see that there was a panic that ensued, but rather, you know, a uh, a tightening to an extent of markets that were not tight. And obviously you hear winter storm, Texas, everyone immediately has nightmares back to what was it, a year ago, two years ago with I think her, uh, winter storm Ian, if I'm not Yuri. mistaken. Yuri. Yuri. Um, which obviously caused issues for far longer than anybody guessed. So I'm sure as you start putting those words back together with a new winter storm, you hear some, uh, some people have some, some, uh, some nightmares come back up from, from that whole situation. Absolutely. Just like, you know, the Hurricane Harvey, even though it was 2017, that was an extremely slow moving hurricane that went through Texas and really flooded almost every refinery and chemical site in the state for a week. And like I say, it was, you know, this summer, it'll be six years. But that type of thing, when you think of, uh, you know, 
storm or weather preparation, Winter Storm Uri shut every single plant in the state. Um, and, you know, for just the knock on effect of workers that couldn't go anywhere because a lot of residential homes were damaged. And, you know, it was uh, so so Elliot was not quite the uh, the you know catastrophic event that that Yuri was. But it, you know, it certainly um, certainly did compromise enough production that it was measurable. But in this environment, it really it didn't um, didn't move the needle much. If anything, it kept prices supported to uh, you know to stability in a market where they were facing some weakness. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's I guess start a little bit with a, a Q4 recap. Obviously, October, November, December, 2022. Um, I know on our side things were certainly a bit slow. I think some of the seasonal uh, seasonal slowdowns inventory management kind of started a bit earlier and we, we certainly saw a slowdown. You know, obviously there's normally a slowdown, I think between Thanksgiving and Christmas with people doing inventory and destocking and things like that. But I think we saw that start a bit, bit earlier. Um, but on your side, what did you see for, for Q4 in general? Uh, you know, how, how did the raw material markets look and, and the derivatives you follow, but you know, things up, down, sideways to, to round out Q4? Sure. Well, um, I think it was, in my opinion, what a lot of people hoped for, which was there was no extreme volatility, you know, that, of course, you know, prices did move. We had energy prices up a little bit. And then, of course, your aromatics would follow a lot of that because costs would increase. But we didn't see any um, any extreme swings. We didn't see anything at all like we saw during the summer which, you know, it, it felt, I remember in the summer feeling like I was watching an out of control market, um, you know, and also when you think back to different memories in the reverse, because we're coming up on that, that time of year, that period right before the Lunar New Year or the Chinese New Year holiday, that in, um, in the, in the, I guess it was the 2020 market, that's when Mar- Many markets worldwide saw historic lows. Ethylene was eight cents, you know, for example. So, um, you know, so looking at the lack of volatility, I, I personally think that was a welcome factor in the market. And it allowed companies like yours and, you know, a lot of suppliers and, uh, and a lot of consumers to manage inventory in a controlled way to their expectation because they didn't have to contend with a sudden price spike or, you know, a, a ripping sell-off or something in December. So there was, um, you know, there's still a lot of similar conditions as we, as we saw before the quarter started in September, we still, of course, have the European energy prices are higher than they, they are in the States. Um, I think that while we're not, we, we have not seen the shipping and logistics and freight situation turn into the chaos that it had maybe a year and a half ago, rates were rising and that compromised arbitrages that would otherwise work. So, you know, so that's where I think that the, um, there were, there were, there were no sudden moves. And I think that that was, um, beneficial and reasonable for a lot of companies to end their year in a way that they had predicted. And it seems like stuff 
not only was not volatile, but I think kind of trickled trickled down. It seems like oil prices have come off a bit. Obviously, especially in the U.S., net gas is is off pretty significantly compared to it was last time we spoke three months ago. So things definitely trended kind of consistently downwards. It seemed in, in general to round out Q4. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, and it's interesting when you see natural gas prices decrease, even though it's the um, you know in, in this hemisphere, it's the cold part of the year. So um, you know that all of that mostly speaks to demand, in my opinion. And we could see this for for all of our downstream products going through, you know, plastics and the downstream xylene products as well. And and the different, you know, parts of the phenolic chain and MMA and and whatnot, that it's not as though demand is depressed, but, um, you know, demand is demand is not there to support your price increase, you know, demand is not there to give sellers any advantage. So, you know, so any any measure to um, to preserve value, I think, came from the supply side this quarter. But, you know, that was unsurprising. Um, and they're, you know, again, you know, despite the storm in the states, they're um, they're you know, you had uh, producers that had the option to roll back production, I think certain segments of the market, certain polyethylene trains and polypropylene trains, they were down to 80%, 70%, you know, and um, and that that environment, you know, when you're when you're uh you're not looking at strong demand, but demand, you know, you're not especially chasing demand, you can comfortably roll back the shipping situation. I know for ethylene in particular, there were a lot of exports coming from the U.S. in October and some more in in November, a few in December, and most of them went to Asia. Um, And I think that that's largely stopped. I think that there there has been, you know, it feels a little bit familiar from the start of the pandemic, looking at Asia in terms of how it's responding to us, you know, surges in virus cases, how that affects the the plants there, the ports very importantly, you know, and looking at first quarter can be a little strange depending on when that lunar new year falls, right? So, you know, the um any pre-stocking or pre-new year decisions are really played out and then it you know the uh, the new year being at the end of January we'll see five weeks four weeks could be a long time in terms of what are you know what's the port of Shanghai doing for example what will that look like in the middle of February and you know what's and that will really that will really bear out what the rest of the quarter is looking like in my opinion but sure, absolutely. um in a lot of uh, in a lot of markets, the U.S. is the low-cost market still, you know, uh, especially for ethylene and NGLs. But in benzene, we did see that the U.S. is one of the higher price markets right now. We've seen uh, shipments that, you know, typically from uh, from Asia, they've become limited over the past uh, over the past month. We've seen, uh, you know, just general demand throughout the world for benzene derivatives um, fairly muted. So it's uh, it's difficult to point to any driver besides cost. So, you know, that's where your, your 
sell price or your offer might hover at a place that that uh, is necessary due to cost, but nobody's really chasing this material around. So, you know, as a result, there's not a lot of activity. And I think that because, you know, at this point, we're, we're really just one week into the new calendar year that there hasn't been a, a strong impetus to make any moves, you know? So if we're saying there haven't been a lot of <clears throat> looking at the spot markets, none of them have seen any tremendous activity with the exception of US ethylene, which had a banner day during the winter storm uh, it had, there was in ethylene. If you get 40 trades in a day, that's a big deal, right? So right. certainly, you know, in crude oil, that's, that's not, <laughs> that's <laughs> no, 40 trades in a minute would be a, a slow day. But um, yeah, so to have, you know, a couple of days in ethylene where there was a little bit of what I'd call a buying frenzy, if that, you know, is in fact due to certain parties trying to cover for short-term outages caused by weather, it's not the same thing as as demand. You know, right. that's, um, that's picking up pounds that you owe to somebody else, for example, or picking up sure. pounds that were owed to you. But, um, you know, with the exception of that, I think that worldwide, we haven't seen anybody come off of the offer or come off of the bid. And that tells its own story of, you know, it, it becomes um, becomes a little bit of a standoff, I guess you could say, who's going to blink first, who actually needs to either dispose of the material or consume, you know, who needs it more, who needs right. to sell more, who needs to consume it more. So I think we're in that, that mode right now, but, um, but that has, you know, it has created in my observations so far in the past week or so, a little bit of stability and not a lot of nervousness out there. And specific to oil and gas, obviously both have kind of trended downwards since the last time we spoke. Do you have thoughts for Q1 on what oil and gas will do specific to the U.S.? Do you think things will kind of continue at these levels? Do you see the cold weather kicking back in and, and trying to bring you know, raw material prices back up. What, what do you think about kind of the oil and gas markets for Q1, both normally what happens in Q1 as well as kind of what's going on generally in the industry these days with, with what you think might happen? Sure. Well, I think in the U.S. there have been general forecasts that um, that energy prices will rise during the quarter. And in the U.S. in particular, a lot of, um, a lot of this, the oil price predictions are predicated on driving season beginning, weather improving. So I think that there's also an expectation of stability for natural gas as there's no, there's no uh, real call for extreme cold weather. And if prices are ticking along where they are with today's weather, you're really looking at, you know, another 10 weeks of this so the uh, you know the futures prices for those are also not bearing out some some price spike in store, so that's where I think you you know there will be there will there will be a general trend of chasing the transportation fuels into the better weather, and of course you know the gasoline in particular has the most effect on the worldwide aromatics prices and um and whatnot but you know with refineries 
you know, refineries are that are, you know, largely restarted from that winter storm in Texas. We're um, we're not seeing any. Again, I'm I'm not sensing any sort of panic. Um, I think that the economics for ethylene and propylene are we're even worldwide. They're not necessarily robust, but they're not bad. You know, so that's again where even the exports that we saw the ethylene going largely to Asia, just from what I could see in the arbitrage and doing my own assumptions on what the freight costs, these were not hugely profitable deals, but it it really relieved the U.S. of a lot of ethylene that, you know, you, you could make a small profit or a moderate profit and also get it out of the U.S., which I think you know, preserving the U.S. value is, uh, you know, is really paramount to the local market here. So I think that um, in terms of the oil and gas, that, again, nobody's nobody's calling for, you know, $100 if they're calling for $85 and now we're at $74.75. You know, that's um, it's something to watch, but I'm not seeing anyone go into a panic. One of the only areas that I am seeing a little bit of of um, angst perhaps is European styrene. I think that that's a market that is uh, is very challenged with creating and preserving margins. And we're seeing producers there either extend current outages or announce that they're just shutting down for now because economics are, are not, not working. And I think that again, looking at the short term demand that demand can be covered by other regions, you know? So there's, sure. there's certainly, I think that um, if there's a theme almost to continue, the hopes of September are really what we're seeing now is that there is no panic. There is no volatility of note there, uh, you know, that you're able to make assumptions that are reasonable that um, again, you know, the, a few things to watch, of course, are the situation with with ports and manufacturing in Asia. That's you know that's a big one. And how strong will the driving and flying season be when we get to April? But for this quarter, I see I see this quarter as uh, possibly as people are coming back to the office for the new year, kind of a sigh of relief feeling. Yes, yeah, I think we talked about that a bit last time as well. It wasn't so much prices going up or down that was the problem. It was the volatility. It was the rapid changes and kind of whiplash of, of going up and down. So whether things go up, go down, it matters, but not so much as just being able to plan for it and kind of understand what's happening and not have so much so much craziness in the market. Right, and that's exactly it. You know, um, our focus at Opus and at PetroChemWire is really the spot markets, as I think they're the most excellent indicator of the market's fundamentals and feelings and behavior of the day. But for you know, for much of the world and the supply chain, it's uh, it's really about what those spot prices do to the term contract prices, the bulk of your volume. So when you see after a you know a fairly stable month. Let's call U.S. ethylene, you know, in the spot market, sitting around 20 cents, so, you know, over and over, 21, 19, you know, something in there for a number of weeks. 
and then we maybe have the the costs being the ethane and the propane they've dropped just you know just like energy they've dropped throughout november and december so at the end of it for uh for ethylene if we're seeing that the contract price in december was down like a penny and a half yes it's down i'm not minimizing that that's down but it's not down 10 cents not down eight cents you know right. even in europe uh, you know, when when contracts are down like 95 euro or something, it's not the things that we saw this summer. You, I mean, we all lived through that in June and July where it was uh, it was just incredible how quickly things got to historic highs. And it was, you know, it was unclear and it was such a gamble. Do you buy today and sit on this very expensive material when it does the price Drop by fifty percent over the next two weeks. So we're certainly not nowhere near those types of of uh, of trends right now. So that's where I think there are certainly opportunities to uh, to make money, and there's certainly risks to lose money. But I feel like they're all they're, they're somewhat um, you know mitigated by this this uh, relative lack of volatility that the market worldwide was hoping for and is realizing. So I guess. Kind of recapping some of the specifics. So benzene, um, you know, some of the derivatives have been muted. It's kind of a, a stalemate on who needs it more, whether they need the sales more or demand needs the the product more. That's that's kind of where you're seeing where you're seeing benzene. Yeah, you know, again, when we when we look at where prices, you know, just looking at the U.S. spot and contract, that they've you know they've been below the 350 mark for five months. So that's not to say they haven't changed. You know, of course, we, you know, we did have spot prices go below $3 in December and they're back up a little above $3. But when, again, when you look back at what benzene has been through in the third quarter and part of the second quarter, when it was, you know, the, the price was practically doubling week to week that, um, you know, being on on either side of $3 is not bad. And then if you're at 311 and, you know, maybe going up to 320 or something, it's, um you know, it's a, it's a muted type of situation. But the one common theme, and you'll see this in, in, I think, in any report that you'll read or anyone that you talk to is that demand is quiet. Yep. It's not to say there's no demand, but demand is quiet. And if you've been in the markets for decades, you'll recognize this as a typical lull, you know. So there's, again, not a sense of panic, but more a sense of you cannot look to demand to rise. The wild card, of course, is the pandemic or COVID. What strain are we in? What is this doing to demand? Are any new markets ahead of us? Um, you know, there's there's always unknowns because we we really we learned so much uh since the end of 2019 in terms of what we didn't know so we can take a page uh now it's you know it feels a little jaded but if you're trying to do your logistics saying well what did we do the last time shanghai port closed it really wasn't very long ago you know so uh the um the resilience and adaptability to facing catastrophic fundamentals is something that people in the markets have pivoted repeatedly for the past three years. So this might be a welcome calm, but I think you also have 
that uh, kind of wizened experience of we're ready 2023, you know, we're ready, whatever you got, we may have seen it before not too long ago. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, one thing we were just talking about this morning here at the office, I don't know how, how much you've followed this or, or how much your team keeps an eye on this, but we, we were talking to a couple of suppliers in Europe about a new LNG terminal in Germany. I guess it was a, a $10 billion terminal that just opened in record speed that I guess will hopefully move at least Germany away from, you know, 100% away from Russian oil supply or gas supply. Is that something you guys have, have, have followed and have any kind of thoughts on and how that may affect the, the German chemical markets? Sure. Well, first of all, the German chemical markets are near and dear to my heart because I really do think that they, to me, are the indicator of the European markets. You know, that the, the German plastics markets, for example, to me, are, uh, are the bellwether of the region. But uh, that said, I think the bigger point about what you're talking about with the LNG, certainly very important important to note how quickly it happened and to me how quickly the money was spent and this is something that i've been watching really for the for the past year a little bit longer a very direct response to um diversifying dependency on energy from russia is people that i know in the region or companies that i'm familiar with in the region they've long had a plan it was just a question of, you know, this will cost us this much money to do this. And it's not been prioritized. Well, that became a priority, let's say, 18, 12 months ago. So the money was quickly spent. The plan was there. So it was putting a plan into action, not developing a plan, which I think is different. And once you create options, we've seen this in other markets that, you know, get pivoting away from. Venezuela, for example, you know, that it's a, it's the kind of thing that will change your market for the long term. So, you know, so this is, there are several painful years that we are in the middle of in Europe with respect to energy because what is happening. And this was, again, something you could read in mainstream media that who has been expecting the pandemic for a decade. Okay. But, you know, similar so my my point is similar with different geopolitical things you know that it it's not exactly shocking what the situation in Europe is now because it's been one of the considerations of what will we as a company or as a nation do if this issue does become our reality so that's what i mean is the lng terminal i think is an example of that where maybe it felt as though it were something that happened quickly but I believe it was more of a deployment of this is this is the time to do it. It obviously should have positive positive effects within Germany, within the German chemical markets, having access to that new terminal now, having options with your energy energy background and things like that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a, a lot of, you know, as I say, a lot of companies have long said, if we were to diversify away from sources of you know of supply to the north like russia and diversify that with other sources be it in africa or middle east well you don't go back from that you know your options are your options and you're always then able to take the best option forevermore so you know these infrastructure spends to um to be able to source elsewhere are important because these will change everybody's um 
forecasts and expectations and abilities for decades to come. The one derivative we didn't get into really much here is uh, propylene, which I'm assuming I can maybe kind of read your mind a little bit and say it's been a lot of the same with not too much volatility, things kind of trickling down along with the rest of the energies. You're, you're making a face that that may be, maybe not the case. So talk to me about, oh, uh, about talk to me about propylene for Q1. No, sure. Um, you know, propylene is to me such an interesting commodity because it is related to ethylene as a co-product. It's related to refining, you know, in, in a sense, it's related to propane. So it really has um, several different fundamentals happening for it simultaneously. But that said, most propylene is going to the service of polypropylene, right? And so even if polypropylene is not your market, chances are you know what's happening there because as polypropylene goes, so goes your propylene, right? So that said, pro polypropylene demand worldwide has been, um, as the phrase goes, nothing to write home about. But that said, it's not, it's not unexpectedly depressed. It's just not rallying. So that's where producers, at least in the States, can very comfortably operate at a 70% rate, which of course is not ideal for them. But if a 70% rate can keep prices stable, that's better than a 50% rate. You know, that, that gets uncomfortable at the production level. Um, you know, I, I think again, the most, the most painful part of the, in the polymer scheme right now would be the the styrenics and the polystyrene. And I believe in this country, at least the we've seen over the course of the quarter, the polystyrene price drop from over a dollar to, you know, near 80 cents. And that that's a lot. And we're still attracting imports. So, you know, but polypropylene is, um, I think that polypropylene looks at polystyrene saying, let's not let that happen here. You know, so preserving price, you know, and of course, propylene does get its own jolt from different um, production issues as well. So, you know, you might think propylene is, you know, down, 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 but then you see a little pop, then it straightens out, and then it maybe falls for a couple of days and then somebody needs some and it's up a couple cents. So, you know, uh, on a on cents per um, pound basis, for that polymer grade, it really has found stability above the 30 cent level. And that's, um, and that's something that it's, you know, I think a few months ago it was closer to, you know, certainly above 40 cents, but I think that, um, something that if you see the propylene go below 30 cents and then quickly hit 25, that's, that's a problem, but that hasn't happened at all. So sure. that's where, uh, again, I feel like it's more of the same story where it's not great news, but it's not horrible news. It's just sure. um, managing, you know, very much short term managing, getting through this week with a margin, getting through this month with, uh, you know, hitting as close to your expectations as you can. Have you guys, do you guys have any thoughts in general on, I guess, looking beyond just Q1, kind of the, the year as a whole? I know we, we hear some mixed things about people optimistic that demand will pick up after New Year's, looking more towards summertime. Do you have any kind of, gen, like, you know, thinking very, very macro and, and, and you know, yeah. specific to the U.S. Well, on, on if and when demand may pick up, how the rest of the year may shake out or pull that crystal sure. ball out and, and you know, see, see what things, what happened, what may happen this summer? 
it's funny because I, I think you and I've talked about this. When I talk about macro stuff, I actually go more inward than ever. I look at myself and people I know, and there's a lot of hope for the spring. There's a lot of hope for the summer in terms of traveling, in terms of, um, you know, maybe construction projects or real estate moves that were, um, you know, put on hold because interest rates are rising and let's just hold off right now. Maybe that jump starts again in that second and third quarter. And, you know, and certainly it, you know, you can find whatever news you want online, but you, there's certainly expectations of travel worldwide seeing another summer boom. So, um, so, you know, and I, I think that that's something that creates a certain amount of bullishness, but again, you know, especially in the commodity space, nobody really wants to overpromise. but I think that, um, I think that there is a, there's a little bit of buoyancy that is underlying second and third quarter decisions right now. Yeah, it's a good a point. Cautious, we, we, a cautious buoyancy. Of course, of course. No, it's a good point. We were just talking about things like the AFPM and trade shows and things like that this summer. We've heard a lot of people, both based in the U.S., that plan to attend, as well as European colleagues and Latin American colleagues that didn't come last year that are now planning on coming. We also hear, you know, people at the office and, and Rob and things like that of um, rental houses and rental properties, and those are booked for the summertime. So people are obviously looking to plan to travel, you know, get out and, and spend money and. And do these things. So even, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom with recession, interest rates and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, consumer spending seems strong. I think it was one of the busiest holiday spending seasons ever. Um, yeah. So people are still out there spending money. That's not, it's not people looking to climb in a hole and, and just stay home and not, you know, not do anything, not travel, not spend any money. There's, there's obviously dollars and cents flying around out there, which should, should bode well for, like you said, kind of looking at spring and summertime. Yeah. I mean, I think that on the demand side, the thing that I'm watching is really anything related to transportation, because as you say, when people are leaving the house, they're spending money, they're buying disposable everything, you know, so there, it, it's a it's a real knock on effect in terms of demand for things great and small. The other thing that I just keep an alert on is what is happening with the Asia ports, really, you know, and that because I think that uh, underestimating that is a mistake that people won't make again. Tell me more. What, what do you mean by looking at the Asian ports? You're looking at how busy they are, if they're open, if, if they're COVID's open. a concern. Yeah. If if they're open, like it, it's to me, you know, I'm a fairly simple person, but seeing things, uh, you know, such as the um, zero COVID policies and governments pivoting to different styles of lockdown or protests or, you know, so, you know, and what percentage of the population is reportedly infected, thinking really about the workers, the policies, what is what is happening? I see the, you know, obviously the plants in Asia, the production plants and all of that has much to do with world demand, but without the ports. That's why, you know, to me, that's that's the, the bellwether that I'm always making sure I, I keep an eye on that without the ports you don't really doesn't matter what demand is if you can't get anything in or out so um and that's you know and especially you know in in areas where they've they've been in so many different situations pivoting very quickly to uh from extreme decisions in short amounts of time over the past three years that you know will it um 
it's just to me that's always something to be very mindful of is sure. that Sure. So. Absolutely. Well, as always, we appreciate you coming on. I think it was this is our second quarterly episode and excited to continue doing them throughout yes. 2023. Um, we'll have your website and email address and all that good stuff down in the show notes, wherever people are streaming this. Where can uh, are you travel at all here in the next couple of months? Where can people see you out in the out in the wild over the next couple of months here? You got anything coming well, on? Out in, the, out in the wild, I will be appearing at the New England Chemical Club in February. So if you happen to be in that area, I believe that's in Providence, February 12th. Uh, also, I will be at AFPM IPC in full force, me, the PCW team, a lot of my colleagues at Opus. So, you know, obviously we all know where everything happens. Find me. And you can always, you can always find us on our website and online. I really, I, I enjoy, you know, speaking with you all the time but thanks again for this opportunity to to do this and hopefully i'll see you in person for the next one that's the plan that's the plan maybe we can get creative and maybe try to do something at afpm or if not we'll have you up here at the office and be in our utilize our lovely podcast studio here so either way look forward to see you in person here at some point soon and thank you as always for coming on and we'll certainly talk with you soon thanks again thank you kathy bye-bye Thank you for streaming the View from Jamestown podcast edition. Like and subscribe for more.